0: Howdy curious people, this is Aziz and you're listening to Aziz Asks Why, episode two, and we are talking about multi-factor authentication, building off of episode one, where we talked about passwords, the greatest thing ever, just kidding, of course, Uh, but here's the thing, Passwords and passphrases, and you know whatever it is we talked about last week, if you remember, which I hope you do, because you know you're probably listening to these back to back or whatever it is you do. Passwords are a string of letters, numbers, and symbols that we use to sign in to um, our accounts. Well, we use them in uh, in combination with a username or an email address or something like that. Um, but passwords are very annoying and as we talked about in last week's episode, they are definitely something that can be taken advantage of, uh, something that we have to keep track of and (laughs) as humans, we're really not good at, um, creating good passwords So, what's the solution? Well, in the passwords episode last week, we talked about a password manager. And password managers were great. Uh, It's like you just create this one password and you use it as your master password to access the password manager contents. And in the password manager, each account has its own unique password, Uh, Just a random, strong, and unique string of characters that is nothing like any other uh, used password in that password manager. And while that's great and all, the thing is, is you have the master password that you have to worry about now, which is now a more powerful password than any other password you ever would have imagined. Because now if anyone knows this password, well, they can use that password to access all of your passwords, all of your accounts, all of your stuff, whether that's bank accounts, email address, social media, or your Netflix account. You know, you'll be on your TV trying to watch, I don't know, some stupid show. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know there's I Netflix I like Netflix it's just some of the stuff Um, recently has just not been interesting to me but I still love Netflix and a lot of the stuff that comes out there but you just get one of those notifications that says well someone's watching and there's not enough room for you to watch well that's someone who got your uh, your one uh, password master password so you have yourself to thank for that um, but what if we can introduce more security and more protection um, while taking advantage of this password manager, uh, or we can also secure c- accounts right inside of the password manager. Or if they're not in the password manager, and you're too skeptic and you don't want to use a password manager, you don't trust a third party. Uh, with your passwords and all your stuff. Well, there's one thing that I would recommend you do, and I recommend that everyone do this, whether you're using a password manager or not a password manager. Now, let me preface this with the idea that most of these first episodes are going to be like those intro classes you remember from college or the first week or two in Your high school class, where everything there was just very trivial, very basic. Uh, It was the foundation. And this episode is part of me building the foundation of what's to come ahead. Uh, You can't really get advanced without building the foundation. So please excuse me for those who are advanced if this content is basic or is trivial. Uh, the reason it's that way is because it's the foundation and we're building up from the bottom for people who are not technologically uh, savvy or who are technologically savvy but do not understand the ins and outs of technology. Hi, buddy. Anyway, so multi-factor authentication. Now you've seen this uh, in multiple different, or you've seen this have multiple different names out there. When setting up your accounts, it's called two-factor authentication, uh, where you have a code texted to you or or emailed to you, or they call you with a code. There's just multiple names for it. Um, Well, really, there's two. (laughs) There's two, and 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 the ones that I'm you know familiar with is. Two-factor authentication, multi-factor authentication. Now, two-factor authentication is the concept of there being a second factor of authentication. So, the first factor of authentication is your username and your password. The second factor in the world of 2FA is most commonly the uh, text message with a code inside of it that expires in like 10 minutes or an email with a code inside of it or a phone call. Now, this is the most common form of two-factor authentication or 2FA. Uh, and I'm going to stop, you know, saying the whole thing, so we're just going to go 2FA for now. Uh, and then beyond that, there's MFA or multi-factor authentication. And this is sort of us skipping the whole idea of saying three-factor or four-factor authentication. Multi-factor authentication means anywhere between two or more factors of authentication. And with multi-factor authentication, you, just like two-factor authentication, there is a choice between the basics of having a text message sent to you with a code that expires in a set amount of time or an email or a phone call. But there's also, and uh, you've probably had to do this for work or for school or for some other application, is you're able to set up a a time-based one-time code. And Or one-time password. Sometimes they're called T-O-T-P or time-based one-time password uh, or PIN or not sure what the P stands for. But the idea is you're using an app like Google Authenticator or Authy or the myriad of dozens of apps out there that have this functionality where you use the app to scan a barcode. And when you scan that barcode... The app uses technology to generate a code every thirty to sixty seconds to use when you're logging in. So, for example, you can set this up with big names like Google and Facebook and and Instagram and and Twitter and whatnot. And what? Don't quote me on the social media. I don't know honestly what's going on there. But uh, with Google and Microsoft and uh, your Apple ID account. These are definitely places you can set up multi-factor authentication uh, using something like this. Apple does it a lot more differently, and uh, that's you know that's a topic for another day. And for those of you who use Apple, you are aware of Apple's um, own uh, Apple Wall Garden way of doing the whole multi-factor thing. But in the world of the Google and the Facebook and just the general world, you know, you go to the security section or account section of that account and you can set up multi-factor authentication. Now it will ask you what type of multi-factor authentication would you like to set up? And there's going to be the the text message, there's going to be the uh, Google Authenticator app or authenticator app just for short depending on where you are going Uh, and then there's the hardware keys Uh, and we'll get into the hardware keys in a second here that is a big part of what i do want to talk about today but the authenticator app uh, usually they'll say like google authenticator but you could pretty much use any authenticator app out there that supports the the protocol and Google Authenticator is one of the most popular ones. Uh, Authy is a really good one. Uh, Honestly, I've seen a lot more better ratings for Authy on the App Store. Um, But a lot of companies have their own iteration of this Microsoft, Salesforce. Just it goes on and on. Each You know, each company, it feels like, has their own authenticator app. 1Password itself actually has the ability inside of it to store your uh, one-time passwords, these time-based one-time passwords, the auto-generated codes, so that when you go and you log into an application using 1Password, 1Password will also generate that... uh, that time-based code for you and paste it in. So there you go. Everything is in one application. Uh, me personally, I'm still uh, sort of separated in that world. I still have my one-time uh, codes on an application. I don't know why, but all of my codes are in the uh, the Salesforce uh, Authenticator app. I'm I'm thinking of switching to another one, maybe Authy, or uh, we'll see. Anyway, the idea is when you log in with your username and your password, it'll ask for this code. You enter the code and you're in. Other applications may need another factor of authentication, and there's where multi-factor comes in. So again, multi-factor is two or more factors of um, authentication. Of course, the password is always going to be the first line Of authentication and then followed by that you can have the uh, the code but let's talk about the 1Password uh, authentication uh, steps and with 1Password it's an interesting kind of setup there Uh, with 1Password when you first set it up on a device they ask for your email address your master password and something called your secret key and that is actually the second factor in a way, you know, because you need the secret key to sign into or to begin setup of your one password vault. So you've put in your email, you've put in your secret key, and you've put in your master password, and you press next. Now, if you're like me, you have another factor of authentication set up. And on my uh, one password, I have. I actually have um, multiple options set up to where if I am locked out or I'm having an issue with one of my factors, I can use the other one. So I use either a hardware security key or a uh, one time uh, or time based one time password. Uh, From an app like Google Authenticator or Salesforce Authenticator or whatever you want to use. But after I put in my email, my master password, and my secret key, I either have to plug in my hardware security key. I use the Yubico, uh, the Yubico 5C, um, or sorry, yeah, the 5C NFC, I believe it is, or no, it's the 5NFC. I don't care. It's, I have it right here, actually. Um, I have several Yubico YubiKeys. Um, one is the 5CI, which has like a USB-C and a uh, lightning port. And the other one is the 5C, um, or sorry, 5NFC, because it has NFC functionality, um, so the idea is I plug this into the computer and I press the button on there and that authenticates me. Think of it like a key to your house. You put it in and you turn it, and if it turns, well, it's the key for that hole. Well, if it's not the key for that hole, well, it's going to sit there and it's not going to move left or right because you know, the, the ridges and the bumps and the, they didn't line up with what's inside of the, uh, the keyhole. Um, but in the world of USBs, well, the USB has to plug in because, you know, it's a USB. Uh, all of the does it all line up happens digitally and uh, cryptographically uh, in software. When you click the button, it will check, oh, is this the USB that has the authentication for uh, Aziz's 1Password? Or is it just some other random uh, Ubico, key key thing? Um, so once that's all done, I'm in and once I'm in, once I have logged in for the first time, well, I don't have to do anything, uh, other than use my master password whenever I am, uh, let's say logging out of the computer or, uh, if I put the computer to sleep or if I close the one password program, the next time I come back and I want one of my passwords, well, I don't need to go through the whole email, the password, the secret key, the uh, security key, the the uh, the Google Authenticator. No, I can just put in my um, master password. And depending on what device I'm using, well, I don't even have to put in my master password. I can just use face ID. Um or if I had one of those Apple, I do actually have one of the, the Mac, oh, sorry. I do have one of those MacBooks with, um, with the, uh, what is that thing called? Touch ID. I do have that. I just don't use it. I'm mostly on my desktop, my Mac Mini. Um, but, uh, I, I, I type in my password every time I have to get in there, but I'm moving away from that. Um, And I'm doing this with a key that I've also been using alongside my YubiKeys called the OnlyKey. Now, the OnlyKey is a really cool key. It is a USB stick. Think of a USB flash drive. But instead of it being like the YubiKey where it has one uh, button on it. And it's not really a button. It's like this capacitive touch area where you just touch it and it senses that you're touching it. It's like a, um, it, it, I don't know how to explain it honestly, but it's just this ridge. You can put your finger on the circle, the disc, and it will register that you have clicked on it. Now that's what the YubiKey is like. The only key, same shape, a little bit larger, just a little bit larger, but it's the same shape. It's a USB stick. But instead of one disk, there's six, Uh, one through six. They're numbered. And the nice thing with that is it is a hardware password manager. Now, if you are more hardcore than myself and you don't trust something like 1Password, you don't trust something like uh, password managers, and you want to go all out, you want to store your passwords Physically with you on a uh, hardware manager, um, hardware password manager. The only key is your best solution, and this thing is absolutely nerd gasmi. You know, this thing allows you to store up to what is it, twelve passwords in one profile. But the cool thing is I say one profile. Well, you can actually make two profiles. Um, so that's up to 24 passwords you can store. And not just passwords, no. A nice thing with the only key, and I think I'm actually going to make a separate episode on the only key, but we're going to save that for more of the uh, side of the podcast where I introduced video uh, so that I can show you how to set it up. But you can set up not only the password, But you can set up the username, the password, and you can also have one-time passcode, or I'm sorry, time-based one-time codes all inside of this thing to where you plug it in to the USB port and uh, you authenticate. We'll get to that in a second, but you click, let's say, number one, it will input your username it will hit the tab key because you can program it to do specific things like that it will input the password and then it will be programmed to hit the enter key and then it will be programmed to wait you can do this and it's all there's no programming i say the word program like you're going to be writing code no it's all just you know click and click and type you just click in boxes and you type what you want and then if you wanted to do certain Uh, Thing You can check the box, like if you want it to tab after typing the username, well, you can check the box that says tab after username uh, or enter after password, and then you can program it to uh, enter that information. You can even program it to that when you press the one key, it will input the URL of the site where you want to log in so you can program this into the into the one slot and it will type the url out press enter wait tab over to the username field type it out tab over to the password field type that out press enter and you didn't have to do anything you just pressed one key on this thing so uh two things About this only key that I would like to talk about that are super awesome. The first thing is. Well, it has six keys on it. How does it have 12 passwords in one profile? And how is it secure? Now you're just now you just have this thing that you're carrying around that has all of your passwords. How is that secure? What if someone just takes my keys? Valid questions. <clears throat> sorry, water break. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but the the answer to the first question is how does it fit all that stuff? Well, you can actually long press on these keys and you get, there's another slot. So you can program your Google account on slot 1A. So that's short click or short tapping the one uh, key. And for 1B, well, you can make that your Facebook account. And then you can move on to 2A and 2B and so on and so forth. Now, how is this thing secure? How is it that no one can just pick this out of your pocket Go plug it into a computer and just wreak havoc. Access all of your accounts and such. Well, it's password protected. And it is encrypted. So, once you plug it in, this thing cannot be read. Until you have typed on the actual only key itself, on the keypad that is supplied on it, a... 7 to 10 digit password, or I'm sorry, PIN. So you have to input a 7 to 10 digit PIN on this thing before you can access the, uh, the credentials in the profile. And this is also where you can choose what profile you want to go into. So if you put in the PIN for, uh, let's say, your, your home profile, well, it will take you into your home profile. Same thing; you can type in the PIN for your school or work profile, and it will take you into that profile, giving you access to the you know to the up to twelve uh, credentials. And not only does it allow you to store uh, usernames and password or static credentials, but it also allows you to store uh, dynamic credentials, or I guess that's the, for lack of a better term, but uh, multi-factor authentication type credentials, including those OTPs or TOTPs, the time-based one-time passwords. It also allows you to store the uh, something called U2F, uh, which allows for passwordless authentication, and we'll get into that in a second, Um Or, it also allows you to uh, store, and this is for the super nerdy among us, but it allows you to store SSH keys, uh, secure shell uh, private keys. Now, this is absolutely just amazing, and I'm not really going to get into this, um, but if you have uh, SSH keys that you use to, to... to sign into your server, to to sort of shell into your servers, well, you can store those here on your only key, which is absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, no, there's this thing is super awesome, um, and it'll work on anything. Honestly, it is read by or it is recognized by. Devices it's plugged into as a keyboard, so you know there's really no complicatedness going on behind this. There's no drivers, if, you know, if you know what a driver is. Uh, there's no there's no need for any drivers to get this thing to work properly. You can plug it into your Mac, your Windows, your Linux, your phone. Um, you, you do need an adapter depending on the port you're plugging it into because this is just a a full sized USB A um uh a connector but they did just come out with the uh only key duo i believe it is and that thing has uh USB A and USB C and yeah, that does leave out the the iphone folks unfortunately uh but USB C i think is probably at least you know that covers most of your needs uh, but here's the thing The only key is an absolutely amazing device, Um, but it does take some time to get used to. It is not like the most plug-and-play device out there. You have to set it up, but once you do set it up, it is absolutely amazing. So here's the thing about passwordless authentication. Uh, So far, we've talked about passwords And we've talked about uh, multi-factor authentication. Now there's the uh, the world of passwordless. That's logging in without a password. And I'm going to be quite honest with you. I myself am not too well-versed in this area. The only information I have about this... Uh, is actually going to be what I tell you here today I have written uh, a paper about passwordless authentication but you know with my brain I actually do not re- I should have I probably should have read the paper uh, because that was like a year or two ago I really just I, I am blanking on all of the details I, That was like a 10 page paper um but I guess we can go with the simple uh information that I can recall right now. And the idea of passwordless authentication is that almost all of us are using it. Um whether you whether you uh know it or don't know it, we're all using passwordless authentication. So, authentication without a password. And the number one example of this is, for those of you who do have it set up, is when you take your phone out of your pocket and you get into this thing magically. Well, you are using a form of passwordless authentication. And in the case of most of you out there, you're using uh, biometrics. And biometrics in the form of either a fingerprint or, uh, for the Apple people out there, uh, your face with Face ID. Now, I have an iPhone and I have uh, Apple devices as well. Um, but I, 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 the Macs, they have uh, Touch ID, but I don't use it. Touch ID is the, the fingerprint uh, authentication method with Apple. But passwordless authentication has really made our lives very very amazing without us even knowing it uh passwordless authentication i mean back in the day you had to you had to when you open your phone you had to type in a pin right and uh people would just not put a pin on their phone or they would and they'd have it to where uh, they uh, the device asks for it after a set amount of time well now it's a no-brainer you know you set up a pin and then it's like, well, how about we set up a? How about we set up Face ID to make the whole process easier? And we do that, and everyone has some kind of multi-factor authentication they're taking advantage of on their devices, whether that's face, facial recognition, uh, fingerprint recognition, or I don't know what else they have out there. You know, they have the iris thing, but that thing is just weird. Um, the pattern is really cool. But that's you know that technically that is, I, I don't know. I, I, some people may say it's password, it's a passwordless thing, but I mean, it's just a password that's like more it's shaped differently. There's no numbers or letters involved. You're, you're still interacting with something, you know, at least with the fingerprint or with the facial, you're just you're just taking the phone and putting it up against your face or uh, putting your finger on a fingerprint reader and you're in now passwordless authentication has also made it into the world of the computers now with mac it's uh <laughs> it's a little hit or miss because here's the thing to take advantage of passwordless authentication on mac os well you have to pay apple big dollar and i'm a big fan of apple right but i am no blind follower of the apple uh cult <laughs> you know i love apple devices i love the accessibility i love the um the functionality uh, everything about apple i just like what's going on um well i take that back not everything about apple right but a lot of things about Apple devices are very appealing to me. Uh, there is a decent amount of things about Apple that I'm not a big fan of or am strongly opposed to. But that is a topic for another podcast episode. Uh, and We'll get into that towards the end of this episode, actually. I have a little bit of a surprise for y'all. Um, but passwordless authentication on Apple is a little interesting, right? If you do not have their, you know, their top of the line device with the touch ID, right? You're sort of, you're, you know, you're not going to get to enjoy that passwordless experience. Um, and, and there's nothing you can add to the experience uh, to make it passwordless, except for another Apple device. <laughs> Let's see. This is where this is where it gets fun. Um, no, you can't buy a fingerprint reader. Uh, I believe more recently they are selling their uh, Magic Keyboard with Touch ID built in. That's pretty cool. I just don't like the Apple keyboard at all. Like uh, you know. I like mechanical. I like this. You know, I don't know if my you hear that. That's what a keyboard is supposed to sound like. Um, and the, I don't want to buy a keyboard where the key travel is <laughs> is almost non-existent. Um, I'm, I'm you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make it too bad, but like I've used the Apple keyboard for a while. But once I switch to the mechanical keyboard, it's just a whole different story. So, all right, you know, you don't want to get the keyboard, what do you do? Well, you can actually use an Apple Watch, if you have one, um, to passwordlessly log into your Mac, which is really cool. Uh, An Apple Watch is probably, in my opinion... Apple's best thing in terms of authentication. The Apple Watch is like the multi-factor or the the passwordless authentication um, device for, um, for Apple devices. It can, once you set it up, it will allow you to just unlock your Mac with your Apple Watch, which is really cool. Another thing, in this whole pandemic world of, of putting things on your face to protect from, you know, the little, uh, the little COVIDs. The Apple Watch also allows you to, wow, that is a loud car. Uh, the Apple Watch allows you to authenticate into your phone, passwordlessly enter your phone if you have, Face ID enabled, and your Apple Watch has a passcode set up. So let's say you have your mask on, and you're in a place where you can't take your mask off, and you know you're, you know you're doing that for the better or whatever it is you're doing anyway. Um, and you have your mask on, and you pull your phone out, and you put it up to your face. And on a normal day, it goes, well, I don't see a face. Or if I do, this is not your face uh, or a face that I recognize. Um, If you have the option set up in settings to have your Apple Watch unlock your phone when you have a mask on, well, you pull out your phone, point it to your face, and it unlocks. And it does this through some cool and nifty cryptographic stuff between the phone and the Apple Watch. And, and since the Apple Watch, since you have a pin code set up on the Apple Watch, well, you have that going on for you. And you didn't have to type in your password, or your pin, sorry, just because you have your mask on. And what's nice about this also is you can also unlock your watch if you're your watch has like a pin code on it and you wear it and it's like with the microscopic uh, unlock pad asking you to type in your pin code. Well, you can unlock your watch with your phone by authenticating on your phone. Now, this this is really where Apple does it, right? You know, and they do it really nice. This integration where things are just building off of each other. Um, and when you're well-baked into this whole ecosystem, well, things just work beautifully. Uh, but the thing is, is uh, well, before we get on to the thing, um, passwordless authentication in the world of Mac and the world of Apple, very cool Um. But it's it's all baked in. It's all within the Apple Garden. Uh, let's move on to Windows. Now, Windows has Windows Hello. Windows Hello, uh, interestingly named, of course. Um, I like the name. I'm not going to lie. The name Windows Hello refers to Windows or Microsoft's passwordless authentication. Now, with Windows Hello, you can use... Again, a fingerprint, a security key, or your face. Now, you're going to be like, well, are they using some proprietary hardware and whatnot? Well, no, they're actually not. Uh, You can use any device, any third-party device that supports uh, Windows Hello or, on a more technical level, Fido 2 uh fast online identification um or sorry fast identification online uh two and this allows you to log in i just looked over to make sure that i'm actually recording because when i first started recording um i looked over like and it wasn't recording thankfully i was only like 30 or 40 seconds in but i wanted to look over and make sure i was recording anyway but FIDO two, this is a this is a standard, right? This isn't just something that Apple, or I'm sorry, this isn't just something that Microsoft is doing. This is something that Microsoft, Google, like a hundred, I don't know, it's a large number of companies, but many companies are involved in this this FIDO. Um, uh, effort, this Fido Alliance, it's called the Fido Alliance, and they have a website, I believe it's FidoAlliance.com or something, or .org, or I don't know, really, it's just go to Google and type in Fido Alliance, uh, and you'll find it, I really don't, I keep these kinds of things bookmarked so I don't have to think about what the URL is, but I believe it is Um I'm eventually going to move my setup to where I can use my computer while I'm talking uh, in this podcast so that I can check on things so I don't sound like a, a blundering idiot. Um, but this is amazing, right? We've moved on to a really cool uh, integration of passwordless authentication, which is proprietary to a given ecosystem to this open standard that can be used anywhere, Um and that you can implement onto a device that does not have it. So, for uh, Windows Hello Face I or uh, facial authentication, well, you need to get a uh, a web camera that supports it, and that's they're maybe a little bit expensive because they do have infrared and they do have a bit of a higher standard of quality and such and whatnot um, to support this ability and functionality. But you can do it. Whereas you can't get Face ID on an on a on a Mac computer at this current point in time. Uh, they may come out with it very soon. I feel like they would, just knowing that it's such a popular product to have Face ID. Um, they do have Touch ID, but the idea of being able to sort of build off of the device you already have and incorporate passwordless authentication is absolutely amazing so that you don't have to buy a device when you first buy it uh, and and ensure that it has the ability uh, for passwordless authentication or that you have to wear your watch all the time for passwordless authentication. No, now you can choose the method of passwordless authentication you'd like to go with If you're in the Windows world. And while, you know, while the whole, um, using your Apple watch to log into your, uh, your, your Apple computers, well, not log into, but unlock because the first login, uh, you do have to input your password. But with, uh, Windows Hello, there's just so much more flexibility. And I wish Apple would take a lesson, uh, out of microsoft's windows hello book and incorporate that because i don't care what any apple fanboy has to say the the security options found in the windows operating system are just so much more better uh, in that you can use a, a pin to authenticate you can use a security key you can use a fingerprint you can use facial recognition and and you're not bound by the type of device you have, um, you know. On an Apple computer, the only way to get fingerprint uh, authentication uh, and have it supported first party is if you get the MacBooks that have Touch ID, or if you go out and you buy the entire uh, Touch ID Magic Keyboard. I don't want to use your freaking keyboard. I want to use my keyboard. Or if you want to do Face ID on macOS, well, guess what? That's just not going to happen uh, first party until Apple comes out with it. And when they come out with it, well, it's going to be first party. And it's either going to be on a laptop that if you want Face ID on macOS, well, you're going to have to buy that specific Model of MacBook, um, uh, or if if they create a th- you know a Face ID camera or web camera, well that thing is going to cost a fortune. It's going to be absolutely amazing in quality, and their integration uh, and how things work together is going to be absolutely amazing. I am not going to doubt that one bit, but the idea. Of how much you'll have to invest to incorporate passwordless authentication. Well, here's the thing. It's just, it's gonna be, um, a fun and costly, uh, endeavor in the Apple world, or it's just not going to be possible because really, for in my, in my world right now, it, for my desktop, my Mac mini, the only authentication or passwordless authentication, I can achieve is with my Apple Watch. That's pretty much it. Uh, if that's from a first-party standpoint, you know, there's probably apps out there that will allow me to use something else. But that's the thing: is when it when we're talking about security, I want security to be handled at the first-party level. Or, in the case of Windows, with A foundation built off of an industry standard um, certification, which in this case is FIDO. And that takes us on to my surprise. And how do I... This is going to be an interesting sort of transition in that I plan on exploring the world of windows again now why do i say again well i actually moved into the apple ecosystem and when i say into the apple ecosystem that means my computer was no longer a windows Uh, starting 2015 but i fully removed the windows element in 2017 uh, and that's, by that I meant I removed a, a PC from my life. There was always a virtual machine running on my computer that had Windows uh, for purposes of running Windows applications. And at some point, I believe I was also using Boot Camp. But with uh, the Apple M1 chip, uh, Boot Camp is, you know, that thing is gone. <laughs> um, so, you know, there there's that. And so is the the concept of virtualization in terms of Windows. That's also you know kaputz. Um, but I am jumping back into the world of Windows, uh, and not not as a not as a rebellious type of move against Apple. No, Apple's staying on my desktop. Uh, I have my Mac Mini. I have my MacBook Air uh, with an M1 processor. My Mac Mini is an Intel. Uh, based system
1: I have my iPad
0: Pro I have my iPhone 12 Pro and I have my um, my Apple Watch but there is a place for Windows in every IT person's life I don't care uh, what anyone has to say uh, there is a place for Windows and the the whole proceeding here is going to be at least a year long uh, transition back into Windows. It's going to be like uh, this whole re back into Windows, um, learning the operating system again, learning a new operating system. Because the last time I was there, it was like Windows 10, and now it's Windows 11. And I haven't really been in Windows uh, 10 since like 2017. Well, actually, I like I'm always in Windows uh, 10 because I'm in the virtual uh, virtual machine. But I've just I just go in, I'll just fire up the software I need and I'll get out of there as soon as I can get out of there. Right. Just not a big fan of Windows at, you know, at uh, in the past here. But more and more now, I've just been growing closer and closer to the idea of Windows needing to be a part of my life. And. This is going to be a procedure, a very, very uh, calculated procedure in finding the right machine, finding the right way to get into Windows, and then uh, moving into it in terms of uh, my personal and school life, my work life. Um, that remains where it remains in the Mac uh, in the Mac ecosystem, uh, and then parts of my personal will also remain in the Mac ecosystem. But the idea here is I definitely, you know, want to have Mac or I'm sorry, windows uh, a part of my day to day life. I also want to game too. Cause you know, you're not going to be gaming. Uh, you're not really going to be gaming very well on a Mac OS any, any day soon. And Uh, And if you are, well, it's going to be games that were designed for Mac. Because I don't like to play those games. I want to be able to play Grand Theft Auto. I want to be able to play uh, Minecraft. Um, And I also want to try out Red Dead Redemption 2 and uh, the new Microsoft Flight Simulator, uh, even though, you know, I'm borderline blind. (laughs) Well, legally blind, so I do have some usable vision. I'd like to use that usable vision to play uh games. Uh and this is going to be a big part of that. So stay tuned as future episodes uh will begin to uh, go into this whole switch into Windows, right? And I really don't want to stay on the IT path. For this podcast for too long because I really want to explore other things and other topics, but there's going to be, as I said in the trailer episode, it is going to be a major focus of what I say and what I do in this podcast. Um, but for the time being, for those for eh, for those of you who are interested uh, in this transition of mine from uh, macOS only to a mix of, a healthy mix of Windows and Mac OS, well, stay tuned. And for those of you who are not, well, you know, go go listen to another podcast, or don't, stay around, because there are definitely going to be some other podcast episodes not related to technology. With all that said, thank you very much for listening. If you liked it, subscribe. If you didn't, share it to someone you hate you know but yeah that's all i have stay curious folks